Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, my guest is going to be Scott Adams in just mere moments. We are also on Clubhouse at this moment. And uh, if you want to come up and talk to Scott or myself, you raise your hand there and I'll call you up to the podium. We, He and I, I'm certain, will chat for a while before we start to take any calls. So just uh, bear with us on that. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? Saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I want to give a shout out to our good friends at Blue Mics. If you've heard my voice on this show anytime over the past year, including right now, you've been listening to Blue Microphones. And let me tell you, after more than 30 years in broadcasting, I don't think I have ever sounded better. But you don't need to be a pro or have a fancy studio to benefit from a quality mic. You may not realize it, but if you've been working from home or using Zoom to chat with friends, you probably spend a lot of time in front of a microphone. So why not sound your best? Whether you're doing video conferencing, podcasting, recording music, or hosting a talk show, Blue has you covered. From the USB series that plugs right into your computer to XLR professional mics like the mouse or the Blueberry we use in the studio right now. Bottom line, there's a Blue microphone to fit your budget and need. I can't say enough about Blue mics, and once you try one, you will never go back, trust me. To take your audio to the next level, go to drdrew.com blue. That is drdrew.com slash B-L-U-E. Um, Susan, can you tell me exactly what's going to happen with YouTube versus Rumble today? Oh, well, as everybody probably knows, and hi, everybody on YouTube, um, we're trying not to lose our platform. We've had two strikes. So we, if we get another one by using the I word or the H word or the Z word or the whatever word it is, that's on the blacklist. So ridiculous. They'll pull our, they'll give us another strike and then we lose our channel, which we don't want to do, but They've already screwed up our algorithms. Right? Anyway, so what we did is we set up an account on Rumble and uh, our numbers are phenomenal because they're not blocking our, our viewership. And also um, we are on other platforms where you might find your other friends on Facebook, Twitch and Twitter, uh, which is Periscope. So um, Drew will be able to see the Rumble comments today because I set up an account for him. So we'll, and we, we'll be looking at it, but um, if you want to head on over there, I'm going to, I'm going to send the links shortly, but. I don't know when let's can't. let's get started for a few minutes let everybody load in and then we can explain again okay can i talk to scott here on youtube is that okay yeah you could talk to him just all don't right. use the words okay all right we're gonna get let, welcome the great scott adams the creator of dilbert he's a hypnotist an economist a persuasion expert he has a daily stream at 7 a.m pacific time that you could find uh just at youtube or, or go to locals scott adams uh and real coffee with scott adams is of course the youtube page and uh, I recommend locals because you not only get uh, the YouTube, the equivalent of the YouTube stream, you get extras after the, he leaves YouTube. And in addition, lots of other sort of educational programs, such as, Scott, such as persuasion tips, correct? Yes, creativity, success, persuasion, anything you want. Uh, my, my deal is I'll make your life better. That's my challenge. How how dare you try to do that for people? That that that, that I mean, just to the humil the the hubris to be able to even think that you could do so. Well, we'll you'll get attacked on Twitter just for saying it. 
I know, it does seem quite arrogant of me to imagine that I might help another fellow human being. Tell, tell them how you them got involved in <laughs> how you got involved in persuasion and your hypnotist training and, and all that. Because again, uh, Scott's talent stack is pretty tall. Uh, it, you know, as I said, economist, cartoonist, he's had many different careers, many different experiences, uh, even though he gets accused of being either a cartoonist or a hypnotist. There's the book, Loser Think. If you want to understand how not to get stuck, um, he's addressing the psychology of what, how would you call it cognitive dissonance or just the psychology of just negative thought processes? Well, I like to uh, explore the places where people have illusions, where, where they're, they're literally just imagining uh, something that doesn't exist. So that comes in many forms from confirmation bias to cognitive dissonance. It's sort of the whole study of psychology and hypnosis is the belief in things that aren't real one way or another and how you get there. So that, that's what's fascinated me forever. To, to your earlier question, my mother gave birth to my younger sister while my mother was hypnotized by the family doctor. And allegedly, and of course, you know, I wasn't there. So if, if you want to be skeptical about this, you are, you're within reasonable uh, grounds. Um, she said she didn't have any uh, painkillers. Now, she could also not remember that. I suppose that's possible. But uh, she said she was just hypnotized, didn't feel any pain, gave birth. And I was so impressed by that, that when I was a young man in my 20s, and when I had a chance, I found a hypnosis school and signed up and became a hypnotist and found out what that was all about. And part of the your interest in hypnosis dovetailed into persuasion, which is sort of a subset topic, right? It's not necessarily the same topic. Is that true? Well, I would say persuasion is the big topic, and hypnosis would be one skill within it. You know, the others being sales and marketing and, you know, any variety of uh, coercion. Coercion. Well, co coercion if you have bad intention. And it's selling mm. if you're at least trying to break even with the other person, you both win something. And uh, ideally, you're just helping somebody if you're persuading them towards something that's good for them and doesn't help you that much. I think it was you that said that the Dale Carnegie, you know, how to win friends and influence people is still sort of a, a, a cornerstone of all this. Yeah, you know, if if I had to pick two things that were, well, also I'm going to give you three things that were most transformative with the least amount of work, right? So you don't have to get like a whole college degree for four years. One was hypnosis, several weeks, and you learn it. The other is the Dale Carnegie course. It teaches you to speak in public comfortably, but way more important, it teaches you to do anything with people comfortably. You know, walk up to somebody at a cocktail party you've never met. It gives you a little formula for what to do that you don't believe could possibly work until you practice it and you see it works every time, every time. And just makes you comfortable in all these places that shy people really need a lot of help. Uh, and that, that certainly was my case. And the last one is business writing. Uh, literally a, a two-day two course on how to make simple, clean sentences, which you also will take into your verbal communications. And you get those three, mm -hmm. three things right. You know how to persuade. Hypnosis kind of teaches you, you know, how the brain is mapped in a sense, so you know what, what works and what doesn't. And then how to communicate and, uh, you know, and how to deal with people. And you, you really have a, a strong start for just about anything if you have those three things. 
I, I would imagine that with that background, you, you can sort of see through the production of or how fake news is created. I, I just saw something happen to me just today. Uh, you alerted us all to something this morning on your stream about, we'll talk about it more over on Rumble, but how the uh, vaccine, not just the mandates, but the passports are going to be discriminatory. And I, and I raised that issue because I'm concerned about it. And I had raised it uh, probably a month ago as well and was crucified. Uh, and all they did that time was turn what I said into some sort of lack of understanding that sub-Saharan Africa has a mandate for yellow fever vaccines. L literally, that's what it turned into. That was the fake news, yeah, I, and that got reproduced a million times. Yeah, yeah that the, the good news and the bad news about the, the wokeness stuff, and by the way, I'm, I'm generally in favor of referring to people with whatever terms they think is respectful. And if they want to update them, I'm fine with that. I think that's just manners. That has nothing mm -hmm. to do with anything else. But the problem is that it, it eats itself. It, it, has, it has a, there's a very predictable cycle to it, where at some point it has to go too far. And, and when you see it everywhere and it, it affects every decision, that's when you know it's probably going too far. And so part of the let's say the persuasion of, and of course the, the point we're making here is that uh, black Americans are less vaccinated. So if somebody comes up with a passport, you have to have a vaccine to get into some venue, it's going to be accidentally, you know, nobody intended this, but accidentally severely racist. I mean, just maybe more racist than, well, name one other thing. Name one other yeah. thing that would so be more certainly, racist. Certainly the most than, segregating, racially segregating policies yeah. of the 21st century, period. And, and, right. right? Yeah, and, but of course it's accidental. And I, I like to point this out, that there's no such thing as a big policy that affects a lot of people that isn't racist, accidentally. Because, you know, we're all different, mm -hmm. so you get these different outcomes. So, but this one's a, an especially bad one. I mean, so it's a little extra evil, it seems to me, because you're really targeting a group. You're not doing it intentionally, but that doesn't make it better. It doesn't matter you had good intentions. That's right. That's right. And, and, and so the fake news version of, it was actually my son that tweeted this thing after I, I alerted him to your, what you had said this morning. And it became, it became, man, this guy, this guy will, me, will go to any length to make his point. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what what is my point? <laughs> what is my point that they imagine again? The imagining that I'm making some point, and I actually can't even tell the way they're framing it, whether it's pro or con vaccine. I I've had the vaccine, you've had the vaccine, my family's had the vaccine, uh, so it's obviously not anti-vaccine. So is he? I, I couldn't even tell what they were saying, but it was fake news. So I think you have probably you can confirm this or not. Yeah, the same problem I do, which is that if you speak of anything with nuance and it doesn't fit cleanly okay. into one of the two boxes, because it always divides into two boxes, each box will think you're on the other team. Because they're saying, yep. well, I don't yep. recognize that as my box exactly, so you're in that other box. And then they'll attribute That's all right. these things that you don't believe to you. And uh, you know, it, this is a subset of, uh, I, I often tease that no matter what kind of national poll you do, 25% of the country will have the wrong answer. And when I say the wrong answer, mm -hmm. I mean, every once in a while there'll be a poll where it's not so much an opinion. You're, you're just either stupid if you say one thing or not. And 25% of the public, doesn't matter what the question is, it's just gonna be, you, you just shake your head and say, what is wrong with a quarter of the public?
It seems to go, it doesn't matter what the topic is. I don't know if it's the same 25%, by the way. And like, it might be different depending on the topic, but it's so consistent. Yeah, I've I've heard you bring that up again and again and again. And I, I wanted to, you know, I you know how IQ distributions go and stuff, and and the incidence of people unable to read in our country is quite high, right? And I, I'm wondering if it has something to do with really just people not because when when I what your point about me fitting into one of two boxes is absolutely correct. However, what I'm seeing people do is they they seem to have lost the capacity to read. They literally can't read what I wrote in a tweet, and it becomes distorted. Right. See, that would that would have been the point of view I would have taken to before I learned hypnosis. So once you get deeper into it, it's it's probably more likely that there's some kind of cognitive dissonance going on. Maybe that's not the exact thing that's going on, but they're it's not that they can't read. It's that their brains have uh, become blind to the message. So if you gave them the same. let's say the same uh, reading level comprehension test on something they didn't care about, they do fine. It's right. just the caring about That's it right. that makes them not be able to see it. I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I, I should, uh, you know, I, I, sh- I, I wish for something different. <laughs> it's just not the way it is. Well, you know, has, I, when, has, when, have I'm you res- thought- when, I'm, yeah. when I'm responding to people, I, I often say on Twitter, you know, what's wrong with your reading comprehension? Because the longer explanation is just uh. too hard. <laughs> Have you thought about how these sorts of glitches in our cognitive systems have figured into world history? Do you, do you think about that? I spend a lot of time thinking about how our emotional development and, and personality development, you know, I, I worry about the French Revolution. I worry about the Russian Revolution. I worry about what those personalities were at the time and things. But I, but I don't have a lot of a good bead on, because the cognitive glitches are so the same. I think they're worse when you have personality stuff, of course, but they're pretty much the same for humans. You think about that at all? Well, I start even deeper and I say, how much of history is actually even true in terms of why things happen? We're pretty good on on dates and who died. Like that, you know, we're good on that. Right. Uh, what date did somebody die? Right. But then you get into why anything happened and I just don't believe any of it. Because if you look at the news today, do you believe in you know whenever the history was being recorded as it was being recorded? Do you believe they were getting it right back then? And, and only recently it became bad. I mean, that doesn't seem plausible. So I would imagine, right. and of course, you know, you have the Eurocentric history and all the winners write the history. So we don't even know what the right. history is. That's the first problem. But secondly, I wouldn't be surprised that if you had some like omnipotent way to look into every historical event, you would find that there was a, a cognitive error that was behind almost every major decision or event, at least on one side. You know, there, there might be a sane side and a crazy side. I feel like you always need a crazy side or, or a lot of the big things don't happen, you know, your wars, et cetera. Yeah. 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 You, you got to be crazy to do that quite, quite literally. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, or I, I guess it depends what you call crazy. I mean, uh, right. Right. I suppose anybody who's a right. genocidal maniac is crazy by definition. Right. Um, speaking of how history is recorded, uh, Elon Musk mentioned you yesterday or today. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was yesterday. I saw the video uh, recently. Yeah, he was mentioning. I, I think he was talking about his own company. There was some bureaucratic uh, nightmare going on in between two departments, and he he said he felt like it was in a, a Dilbert simulation, which was uh, weird timing because the comic the day before was about Dilbert himself. 
the cartoon character uh, having a religion that believed he was in a simulation and that he had been created by a cartoonist. And oh my god! And the boss said, so the simulation, the, boss, the simulation made it seem like a simulation <laughs> upon a simulation. Yeah, it was, <laughs> right, it was a simulation within a simulation. It's the first time ever, and who better than Elon Musk to have that happen to him? He double simulated. Well, I, we had our own little simulation wink. Uh, you know, Scott was on his stream, and he goes, eh, "I'm going away," and I just thought. He's going to Greece. <laughs> I'm going to Greece. And I saw, and I so I DM'd him. And I go, hey, where are you going? To, where are you going? He goes, Greece. What island? Santorini. I go, oh, us too. What dates? The exact same dates. The same plane into the island of Santorini. Which is, what are the? I mean, what are the chances? How does that work? What are the chances? I tell you, um, yeah. I don't. It feels like strange things have been happening lately, but I'm sure it's just a perceptual thing. I was taking a walk with uh, my wife, Christina, just the other night. And we we're just walking down the sideway, sidewalk. And she says to me, do you have any uh, mints? You know, my, my mouth is dry. Do you have any mints? Sometimes I carry these little lozenges and stuff. I go, no. She's like, yeah, I really want one. And she looks down on the sidewalk. And there, still wrapped, is a, is a mint in this wrapper. <laughs> and she leaves down and she yeah. goes, well, it's still wrapped. <laughs> she and she has her mint and she walks away. <laughs> she ate it. Now, so weird. Now, uh, what's going on, right? Well, like, how does that? I, I know. But uh, you know, it's, it's coincidence and it's just perceptual. It, it it makes me start to wonder about time and time perception and things, but whatever. And and then we had two great dinners in Greece, and it was sort of the highlight of our trip. And uh, and flew on the same plane out of the island, into the island, which is just the weirdest thing. <laughs> Um, but anyway, thank you for that. We had a great time and thank Christina for what, the, the pleasure she brought us and getting to know her. And, and for those of it, it, I know Christina doesn't like the cameras and the public stuff, but she's an extraordinary person and she should uh, feel very comfortable being out there. <laughs> she, yeah, she, she doesn't like the limelight. She just likes to do her thing. Yeah. So to, today she's off flying and learning uh, instrument flying, which if you know anything about that, and she does really hard. I just know it's hard. And, and she does stunt flying, as I understand, right? Yeah, aerobatic uh, stunts, yeah. Oh, my God. And uh, it scares the hell out of me, but I try to be okay with I it. Bet. I bet. Yeah. I, I, Susan's afraid just hearing about it. <laughs> um, Susan, do you want me to head over to Rumble, or can we continue it, here? It depends on what you want to watch. Uh, I mean, talk about. Okay, so just explain to all the new people who are here and the Rumblers. Um, we started this new uh, platform, Rumble, because it's not censored, and they're pushing our information. We have 750, maybe 800 people over there right now watching. I, I by the way, can't see the the uh, chat. Oh, yeah. Go to, click on the, um, you know, turn it on, and then go to Rumble, and then, you'll, and then uh, scroll I'm, down. Oh. Scroll down. So, anyways, anybody who's on uh, YouTube, we love you. We want you to come over to the other platforms, and I've, I've added the link to all the different platforms, Facebook, Twitter. And um, Twitch, which is our regular and also Rumble. If you don't have Rumble, sign up, you know, if you want. Um, but in the meantime, head on over because we're going we're gonna to talk about things that might have controversial words attached. Well, I will tell Did you. Did you get it to come up? I just got this. Oh, there's the live chat. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I do see the live chat at, at, uh, at uh, Rumble now. Okay, good. So um, Drew can see your uh, magic cord said at the beginning, somebody named Terry... Tarantula said, <laughs> "Yes, I see." He that. was a call center manager in the '80s through 2000. You are a major part of my work culture. I cannot thank you enough. Magic Court said, um, 
had a comment. So anyways, you, we can see your comments over there and Drew can now see them. And then we see everybody on Restream as well. But but we will have to say goodbye to, to YouTube followers right now and hope that you can make it to um, the other side. The other side being Rumble, Twi Twitch, or Twitter yeah, or Facebook. Yeah, I'm going to post that. Because I, well, here's what I want to talk about. I know you've been getting shit for talking too much vaccine and mask. I want to get into that a little bit and indulge you yeah, on Yeah, we want to talk bit. about anything we want. I, I want to talk about Governor Cuomo a little bit. And I'm sort of surprised you haven't been more... There's, there's You pointed out some delicious stuff with that, but I've been surprised you've been pretty um, circumspect in terms of marching into that. And I want to talk about Dunning-Kruger and cognitive dissonance. So we got a lot and of stuff And then also, didn't you want to talk about... Um, um, I don't know. Never mind. Right. He, I, I think there was also a poll that Scott took that that Caleb was really interested in seeing how that turned out as well. Uh, Caleb, you want to want to tell us what that poll was? Voice of God, Caleb. Which poll? I can't. I don't know. Remember, he said he took a poll and he said, "Oh, that was really interesting." Anyways, I know Scott does it, but anyways, we'll say goodbye to everybody and not waste any more time talking we'll about this. And see you there. And All open right. up our minds. See you over Rumble. So uh, we're off of YouTube, I assume now, and so we can start to have open conversation. How, how crazy is that we've been in YouTube jail twice and now have to walk around on eggshells egg for fear of God that words about medication that I've been using my entire career should spill from my lips. By the way, I'm not advocating they be used. I'm just discussing their the data that's out there about them. But if I say the words, back. Back, I'm done. I'm done. I'm in jail. It's crazy. I mean, it, it would be one thing if some idiot like me, you know, is spouting medicals, but you're actually a doctor. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> YouTube's not a doctor. How, how are they overriding the doctor? And, and who exactly is doing it? Wouldn't you like to meet the person whose job it is to do that? But let, let me give you a, a, just a sample that happened today. The, the, the YouTube video that um, Elon Musk uh, mentioned me, when you play the uh, the captions, so you can see it does automatic captioning. Uh, it changes uh, Dilbert into uh, Rube Goldberg. What? It actually changes the it changes the name of the comic. So I'm assuming wow. that uh, assuming there's a human being who's listening to it, probably in a country where Dilbert is less known than maybe Rube Goldberg right. was, or they. Did a, did a Wikipedia search to find, and that was the one they came up with. But whoever, whoever was doing the captioning on YouTube didn't know what Dilber was, which would be you know, pretty pretty standard American you know uh, icon. And who who exactly is is looking at your material and saying that it's uh, bad? Do you think it's somebody who well, who I have lives in the Oh no, it's, it's a, it's all AI. It's AI. And, and I, here, here's what, here's a, there's something that's come clear to me since we last talked that I, I wanted to share with you, which is that I was aware my profession was behaving bizarrely during this pandemic. I was aware that they froze in place and they became fearful to do anything or to give their opinion. My surgical colleagues kept improvising and doing things, which was very interesting because that's what they do. They solve problems when they're in situations, but they didn't tell anybody they were doing it. The internists, the ER docs, the P everybody else froze in place. And partly they did it because so many of them are employees now, something I didn't realize. They're all employees now, and they were fearful of losing their job if they said something. So that was sort mm -hmm. of in place. Then their move was to 
cede all of their responsibility, people on my streams have heard me say this, to the FDA, the CDC, and the NIH, for them to make the decisions. Scott, in my entire career, do you think the FDA, the NIMH, the AMA, the NIH ever had anything to do with my decision-making? They had publications that would sort of advise me and give me information. They had nothing to do with my decision-making for a given patient, ever. Now, suddenly, we ceded it all over to these bureaucrats who are, have not been clinicians in many years, cannot make a risk-reward analysis, and can't change direction. This, to me, is the, the a major part of the story of what happened here. It's sort of, it's sort of the IBM problem. I like to tell this story. So back in the old days when I used to work for a corporation, it was said that if you bought IBM, you wouldn't get fired, even if things went wrong, because at least you could say, well, I bought the best computer with the best service. If that went wrong, imagine how bad it would have been if I'd made that other decision. So at least you don't get right, fired right. if things would go wrong. Yeah. But imagine yeah. you're a doctor. Yeah. Imagine you're a doctor and you think, you know, in my judgment, the CDC, the FDA is wrong on this. You're dead. Mm -hmm. You're dead. <laughs> because if you're well, right, now, well, now, you, you, yeah. But, now, but back in the you, day, they run, weren't. They really weren't involved. They weren't involved with us. I, they, I often thought they were kind of off base on stuff, and and I proceeded with my decision making. And guess what? Am I just you know you're into? They're not there with the individual, you know, patient. The idea that we sent patients home with no treatment and said come back when you're sick, that's incredible. That's never happened before. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I yeah, it, it all has to do with what's public versus what's private. I would imagine the doctors are a lot better when nobody's watching. That, that's got to be the case. Sure. 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 Yeah, it's crazy. Um, oh, did Kelly Victory get canceled? Is she off YouTube now, too? So there's a lawsuit now that several friends of mine are involved with. I think Trump is involved with it, too, where they are going after the uh, these um, platforms. Or for slander and oh. for you know. and that's the last show that was censored on YouTube was the one where we were talking about it. Openly. Oh, really? So we interviewed the attorney that. That's and then we also up. had Dr. Yohan because he pulled the trigger for us because we talked about ivermectin. And, and by the show. way, uh, hydroxychloroquine is a medicine I've been using for thirty years. It's the and it's in. I just completed a rheumatology. I do these board reviews on a regular basis, and the, my rheumatology board something jumped off the page at me. They were talking about using hydroxychloroquine during pregnancy, which I, I, I can't think, and they said, just leave people on it. It's so safe. I can't think of a single medicine where they just go, just leave them on. It's, it's so safe. Don't even worry about a pregnant woman. There's literally no other, not even Tylenol is like that. Right. Yeah. So, I, I may have said this before, but it, somebody told me once that uh, if aspirin were not already an approved drug, if you tried to get it approved today, it wouldn't get approved. It would be too dangerous. Be very difficult. <laughs> be very difficult. Be very difficult. Certainly wouldn't be over the counter. It'd be very difficult. Look at the thought, the, all these things. The, the, before the FDA, a lot of things were never approved, and they've just been around ever since then. Well, I know. I, well, you know, I was doing a nightly show on Fox 11 here, a local news uh, uh, network. You know, we were just not Fox News. This was like think The Simpsons or The Family Guy. And we were doing reports on on uh, on the pandemic, and my co-host, very smart guy, started arguing with me about the FDA. I said, "The FDA doesn't tell me how to doesn't, doesn't tell me how to practice medicine. They don't. They're not involved with that in any way. They talk to companies about how they can bring to market medicines. That's it. How I use them, that's up to me. 
and there, well, that was in the heat of the battle. There was all this misconception about the bureaucracies because they were, they were look. I, I don't know. There's the, the bureaucrats were going to save us. But it, but it's, you're also treating a different patient. You know, you're treating an individual, and they're treating a, a country like right. it's a body. That's right. Because you, then you've got that's right. You've got to manage the politics and the economics and all that because it's all yep. the body. That's right. So uh, that's right. In some sense, it's the system, not the people. You know, in, in many ways, it's a system that yeah. doesn't it doesn't yeah. serve as well. So back to Governor Cuomo. What what are your you have you have not been talking about that very much? I don't think, or at least it's not up front on your stream. I noticed. And so, tell me what what your thoughts are, or is there a reason you've been a little more circumspect with that? Well, I've been circumspect probably uh, on most topics of personal failing. So I, I do like to focus more on the politics. The you know, the big picture of the economics, the psychology, the interesting stuff. The, the fact that individuals are incredibly flawed, I find um, almost like, it's almost like porn when you're, you're jumping on them because there, there's something about how we enjoy their pain that is very uh, creepy to me. Meaning that yeah. the Cuomo thing is a big story not because of his supporters. It's a big story because people who didn't like him for a variety of reasons get to gloat about his destruction. And while we can all have the same, you know, feeling that what he did, you know, has to be addressed, the legal system and whatever else uh, needs to address it. And I feel like I like to stay out of it if the legal system is going to be addressing it in that way. You know, unless there's some cool mystery to it or some element that, that that's you know would change society or whatever. But this is really about him and a bunch of people who, who say they're victims, credibly, and um, almost certainly it should end his career. I can't imagine he has anything left after this. Uh, but those are all obvious things, right? I mean, I, and I try to I try to find an interesting angle into everything. And this is a story about a guy of a certain age with a certain amount of power who acted like a guy of a certain age with a certain amount of power, unfortunately, is closer to universally bad behavior than it is for one-off. And society is dealing with that. Now, if I'm looking for the interesting angle, let's take, let's take the, the persuasion portion of this. Name three, uh, the first three major uh, abusers of women that you can think of. I actually do that. The first three that come to your head from you know, recent stories. The recent probably stories. Weinstein. Uh, right? yeah. yeah, Weinstein. Epstein, probably. Uh, certainly. Kavanaugh was up there whether but, or not he did it or not, but he was accused, right? Yeah, Kavanaugh is a special case. I think I wouldn't call that. But, yeah. but you've got okay, three, three, prob three probable Democrats, right? Epstein, I assume, is probably leans that way or did. And so yeah, it feels like a Democrat. It feels like a little bit more yeah. of a Democrat problem. You know, Biden and Trump kind of cancel each other out because they both had accusations. But if you're if you're uh, trying to make your team look like the good one, so everybody wants to be on it, this is not helping Democrats at all. <laughs> not at all. But right. let me give them credit. The Democrats are quite uniform or unified in calling for his resignation. So if I'm going to give them props, I would say I haven't seen any Democrats say, well, it wasn't that bad, right? And certainly you saw lots of Republicans say that, you know, whatever Trump is accused of, 
you know, lots of people, including me, are going to say, well, we don't have proof or whatever. But the, the Democrats have at least been consistent. They said, all right, for this level of accusation, you know, it's over. You just, your career's done. So well, at least I, they're consistent. I think I'll certainly with, I mean, looking at Al Franken, where that happened to him, right? I mean, Al Franken had photographs of misbehavior and a report of misbehavior, but it wasn't repetitive misbehavior the way it is with Cuomo. And uh, Al Franken was sort of taken out very, very, very quickly. He probably could have stayed if he'd fought for it, I think. I mean, that, that's what people think after the fact, right? But, you know, I, I don't blame him. You know, maybe it was time for something to, for him to do something else anyway. But have, have you noticed, though, that there's a, uh, a creepy consistency to how people who are talked about as pre presidential candidates suddenly are having scandals, you know, as we get closer to 2024, any, anybody who's on that short list, you know, your, your Matt Gaetzes, they're all going to have a problem. And some of it will be real and some of it won't. It's going to make it, I, I, I worry about the, the cost, the human cost of all these accusations, not, not, not the group we've talked about. I'm, I mean, just the fact that somebody wants to run for president, they're going to have horrible accusations. How do we ever get good people to run for president? Let me ask you this question. Would you run for president under the current situation? Let's say you, you believed you had, you had a shot. Would you run? There, given, there were people the, swirling around trying to, yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I, there were people swirling around trying to get me to run for governor. And uh, I, I don't think I have anything that high, but, but that doesn't seem to matter anymore. You know what I mean? It doesn't, I, you, no, it doesn't matter. Right. And, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so uh, it, that's, that's the well, part that's crazy. So I, I tell this story um, just to give people an idea of what it's like to be in the public eye. Because if you're not in the public eye, you have no idea how many false accusations just happen all the time. Yeah. It's just routine if you're famous. That's right. My most yeah. famous one was a woman in Canada who believed that we had been in a long-term relationship, somebody I'd never met, and that I would occasionally travel to Canada, break into her apartment, or rifle through her belongings, uh, delete files on her computer, and sometimes uh, sexually assault her when she's there. Never met her. Every once in a while, she'd go off her meds and call everybody I worked with and tell them that I had right. raped her. Now, if you're somebody I work with and you get that phone call, is your first thought, no, this doesn't sound real? No, <laughs> it's not. Your first thought is it probably happened. And what do I do about that? Like, who do I talk to to, to make that go away? It doesn't go away. So, right. you know, I, I've come to peace with the fact that my life will always be a series of you know, some true stuff about me and some false stuff. And nobody's going to know the difference. And I have to live with that. I, I, Nobody will know. I feel like, but I've noticed in the, in the stream uh, every day, you're, you're starting to take on your critics a little bit more, at least in the last week. Is that just because it's slow news for entertainment or you have, you, you, are you heading towards something? Well, when I was thinking on the, on the critics, it was on the topics where I feel that the thinking is, uh, flawed. So mm -hmm. I have the most interest in my critics when they're they're making an argument that's bad, because if they could correct it, it might change their behavior and potentially other people's who are watching. So I, I feel like arguing about what's logical and how to do the risk analysis of everything from masks to vaccines to all things pandemic, that's the most important thing in the world right now.
I mean, to your daily experience is how you, you manage your risk. So if I can help people at least sort out what are you comparing? I mean, this is the, the skill of an economist is uh, anybody with that background is a little bit better on knowing what to compare. If you look at the layperson, for example, they'll say uh, uh, ivermectin or something works because uh, uh, Zimbabwe tried it and, and uh, deaths went down, right? So that's like the, the average layperson's you know, best look at it. It's like, look, this thing happened, that thing happened. But if you have any experience with you know, data or analysis, economics, et cetera, the first thing you say is, you, what, you got one example? And by the way, let's update the chart because it turns out it went through the moon and absolutely nothing to support your argument is in the chart anymore. <laughs> right? It was just a, a little period where it looked that way. So that's, that's kind of the limit that the average person can handle in terms of doing their own research. And again, this is not a criticism of the average person. If you have not studied those domains, which teach you how to uh, correctly compare the right things, why would you have that skill? I mean, I, it's like me saying that I could do your job without, you know, without any doctor practice, right? So people right. think, right. Uh, people think that they know how to compare things and manage their risk. And they really don't. It's it's a it's a trainable skill, and when I talk to people who have that skill, we almost always agree or come down to one assumption where we differ, and you know maybe it's, there's an assumption there as opposed to a fact. But but you can very quickly get to you know some agreement or at least know why you're not agreeing. But people who've never had that skill, who don't know how to even compare the right things, uh, they they go into irrational land very quickly. And so I thought just going through my critics argument would allow the audience to see lots of examples of bad thinking. And I, of course, that, try to use good. persuasion like to, uh, to, uh, to maybe shame people out of the worst of them, because sometimes you, you have to shame them <laughs> away from the bad opinion. Because, you know, like the 25% yeah, yeah. of the country are just immune to any kind of an argument. Nothing's going to change it. Yeah. You can shame them. Yeah. You can shame them off a point. Yeah. Now, now, of course, I, and I have to say this um, for anybody who's new to me, um, it's not my job to convince you to get vaccinated or not, or to wear a mask or not. And let me be very clear. Right. I'm vaccinated. I don't care what you do. <laughs> I don't care what you do. And if it kills other people, well, they had a chance to get vaccinated too. You know, we're, we're down to the point where living our life is way more important than, you know, whatever the size of the remaining risk is, in my opinion. Now, keep in mind, everybody's using you know, what data they can get that's sketchy, the best of their ability to predict. So I don't know that I'm right. I don't know that uh, getting the vaccination will turn out to be the thing that I say in the end sure was smart. Um, I only know that I did it. And my risk, risk reward would be different than yours. So make your own decision. But I, I would consider it unethical to persuade somebody to get vaccinated similar to way a, uh, a boxer, a professional boxer doesn't want to get in a bar fight. If he kills somebody, you, you know, that's a lethal right. weapon because you're a professional boxer. Right. I'm a trained hypnotist. If I want you to get a vaccination, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get one. <laughs> and, and I don't know. Right. I don't know if you're going to think that you made the decision yourself in the end. And that's not a, right. a moral situation I want to be in. So I'm going to do my best to make sure people know how to do the, to do the thinking of it. But I, I've got to end there. You've got to make your own decision.
the the one thing that that I um, worry about when it comes to the vaccine is we have to stop this thing from replicating if we can, because the more replication, the more opportunity there is for bad variants to develop. And so the one case I would make to people who are resistant, well, first of all, we should get the full FDA approval of the vaccine so people could stop saying it's experimental, number one. Number two, oh, oh, Novavax. Oh, which, can, yep, go ahead. Can, can I interrupt you there? Because you can answer yep. the question that everybody's asking me. What extra stuff do you have to do to get FDA approval? Is it just how long you've done the study? Is that the only thing that's different? I, I No, usually it's, it, it, I've never been inside the FDA, but I've spoken to the secretary of the HSS and I've spoken to people in FDA before, including directors. And what they will usually say is, yeah, they will usually say what takes the time is completing the third, the phase three trials and the expense of the phase three trials and getting them adequate uh, power, which we have with the distribution of this thing. The attorneys, getting it through the legal morass takes forever. I had one woman uh, who was an FDA director said the equivalent of two 18 wheelers of trucks filled to the top with paper is how much legal maneuvering goes on to get through the, the legal concerns about FDA approval. So I believe, I don't know this, but I'm suspicious that it's once again, the legal aspect of this that's taking forever. And of course the company so, doesn't want to take on any liability, right? They, they're going to let right. them mill through it the way they do because they don't want to have rushed it and then be liable. Right. So lawyers are right. killing us. <laughs> I, I okay, mean, well, that's kind of what I'm, I'm concerned about. Yeah. Makes sense, doesn't it? Okay, sorry, sorry, I interrupted yeah. you, but so many people have asked me that question and I couldn't answer it, so that, that helps. I, I was just saying that they they should go for the full approval. They should uh, get Novavax out, which is a straight an old the same thing as Pertussis platform. It's an old platform. It works like crazy, and and they should um, you know they should be um, helping people reduce the resistance and and educating them about how you know what can happen if this thing isn't. Um, isn't suppressed. I, I don't want to answer me this in the days, you know, in this time of incredible technological creativity and Elon Musk, why can't we come up with something, a better way of doing this monitoring and following the disease or uh, checking for uh, something that technological it other than shelter in place, which is the most bizarre, never before used technique you know, that was invented by a 14-year-old in New Mexico, that whole idea. It's not something that has ever been contemplated by the infectious disease community. And it's merely because the Chinese Communist Party did it that the press here demanded that we do it because I, I don't know what they were doing. There was no infectious disease doctor dictating that. That was some sort of saving face, government something. Uh, and uh, why can't we come up with that stuff? Much? But go ahead. How much of the lockdown had to do with what must have been fake videos of people collapsing in the street in Wuhan? And have we ever figured out what, what's up with those videos? Because they clearly weren't true. Were, were they right. planted by China to make people panic? Was it, were they just fakes by somebody outside mm -hmm. of China who was just playing a prank? Were they actors? I mean, that's one of the biggest mysteries in the world. And, well, the second biggest one is why China hasn't had more problems, but it looks like it's coming their way with the with the new variant. Um, so I, I've got a feeling that China's pandemic is still ahead of them. I don't th I don't see any way they're going to stop it. Do you? Do you think that they can stop it even mm -hmm. with their draconian everything? 
No, because yeah. all those things do is sort of temporize things a little bit. They don't make it go away. They, they just sort of give you a little more time. to they, The flatten the curve idea was a legitimate idea. So I'm a little unclear about what strategy is even possible right now. And the, the Biden strategy seems a little unclear to me. Because given mm -hmm. what we know at the moment, which you know, keeps changing, given that pretty much everybody's going to get this, right? Or a variant. First of all, would you take that assumption that we're all going to get it? I, I, the way I th think about it is the viruses and pandemics, pretty much always the same phenomenon occurs. A, a the virus does what the virus does. And there's not much we can do about it except vaccinate that's always been or come up with therapeutics which have of late been somewhat of a decent move and we have some decent therapeutics now and the more coming but but we have the vaccine and therapeutics and the virus does what it does that that's pretty much it you that there is a there is i spoke i spoke to a smallpox expert who told me that there's a natural tendency for people to withdraw a little bit to sort of avoid social interaction when things get really bad that just happens automatically and that can slow things down but it still does what it does and we still don't know why any virus goes away right that that's still like one of the big mysteries no, no. is that as, yeah. as far as and, i know I, I we could ask some virologists but I, there's something it, it's at very least i don't think anyone knows with great certainty why, why viruses disappear they, they 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 do know coronaviruses typically become more virulent and less less virulent and more contagious that's sort of how that's the history of coronaviruses but then people go under their breath but maybe this isn't a normal coronavirus maybe this is you know something happened right. in the lab and we can't predict this one but but even with mutations what happens to the original the original didn't die the original is still there so it by process of elimination have we basically removed every possibility of why a virus would die out on itself except that some people have natural immunity it's got to be that right? there's, there's there's nothing left there's that well there's that and it's kind of like lions and hyenas on the savannah right eventually a more powerful biology steps in and the older biologies die out they can't reproduce they can't for they don't the 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 more powerful biology takes over so to speak that that's the one that gets the, all the nutrients which are the human beings so uh, so say that again so i was a, what is the more powerful yeah. biology in other words, as more and more virulent or more contagious strains kick in, they push out. Like it's like more lions on the savanna pushing out the the hyenas, and the, the hyenas don't have access to the food, and they don't have access to the savanna anymore. They don't have access to reproduction because they're freer of them. That kind of thing. So, so it's an ecology. So it it's like an ecology. So you're almost saying, and I'm putting words in your mouth here, so stop me before I go too far. But it's almost as if uh, every virus becomes its own vaccine through mutation. In other, in other words, um, once it mutates, so it's not so it's not killing you, but it's spreading very fast. Then a whole bunch of right. people will get the weak version, which might protect them against the stronger version. C correct. And and again, I'm speaking out of school a little bit, so because I'm not a virologist, there may be other models of this. But the way I think of it is exactly that. And it's the, the ideal situation for the virus is to be constantly reproducing and in us, but not hurting us. That's the best thing the virus could possibly 
situation you could be in, right? It, but when so, it hurts us, we avoid it. We are, so go ahead. Yeah. So hypothetically, and this would be completely unethical, but hypothetically, you could engineer a weak version of a deadly virus and use it as a natural vaccination. Just just release it and yeah. let everybody get infected with the one that doesn't kill you. Well, and that was the original idea on on vaccine, right? That was the that was the original sort of model, which was we use live a live virus, but we attenuate it so it can't create bad illness. That was the original, except except for the part where it's uh, airborne. Yeah, the 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 thing I'm adding yeah. is making it airborne, yeah. just like just like a coronavirus. Yeah. Then everybody gets yeah. it. Yeah. Very very uh, very yeah. immoral I mean, and unethical, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really interesting. I, I'm not a virologist. I don't have any virologists in Clubhouse. I don't see them over there, but uh, but it it's stuff like that uh, is how biology works. I, I'm surprised. You know, I would like to see like a Brett Weinstein, who is an evolutionary biologist, talk about this stuff. He he got very hooked up on the ivermectin thing. I think he got too far down that path, um, even though it's impressive data. He was looking at it, it was good data and stuff. It just clinically wasn't just really wasn't doing anything much um not to say that people shouldn't be allowed to use it or take it or doctors talk about it i mean that's insane that we don't uh there may be something there i mean for instance i mean i know you're pro mask even though you're not wearing one right now correct or you don't wear them right now because you've been vaccinated uh, yes. no, I, 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 I was pro mask and um in certain situations masks make sense but uh, not for vaccinated people going to a restaurant right and and so with the, the some of the best data on masks showed that they work again however you conceive of this number at about 15% make about a 15% difference in the transmission of of coronavirus and that's not that's not zero it's something and that's good data it's very good data there's a danish study that showed some extremely well done stuff they expected it to be much better which is why you've not heard any press about that study uh, it showed a 15% uh. effect and everyone <laughs> It's the only thing that really, really was a good study. Uh, but it's 15%. And let's say ivermectin has a 5% effect on the margins or something. Why shouldn't we be thinking about it, talking about it? I, I'm not convinced that it has that effect, but it might, you know? Right. Because they're, they're all additive, right? If you 1% here, 1%. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. right. Oh, it's it's weird that we that one the one is an absolute national standard that that, you know, Let's you know whether you are a uh, a member of a tribe or not, and following with the you know the the, the uh, literally if you don't wear a mask, you're thought of as somebody that wants to harm other people, which is just bizarre. But okay, and yeah. the other medicine, the other thing, it's like you're 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 on the exact opposite you know, of this of the spectrum if you want to use that. Right, but you know the the fifteen percent. I feel like somebody will tell us that that's misleading because first of all, the 15%, you know, is viral itself. So it becomes yeah, gigantic that's right. at any percentage. And then the other thing is that's an average. So what does that mean when you're talking to grandma with your mask on? Like grandma right. might be the one who usually gets sick because it doesn't take much, but maybe somebody else, yep. you're talking to your kid and they just won't get sick at all. So, you know, you have to be careful of the average. Well, it's funny. Uh, I I've been. I'm gonna after I say goodbye to you. I'm gonna show people my uh, my antibody score, my B my B cell spectrum and stuff. I did this thing called an additive score, and I've been following it over time. And so you can really see how my immune system is responding to having had COVID and then the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And I'm I'm off the chart immune. 
Um, <laughs> but one of the things I was talking with the immunologist over there is this exact issue that no one's talking about, which is you can be exposed and not get it. And then what does that do to your immune system? And how much exposure do you need before you contract it? And, and if you've had the vaccine, how much exposure do you need? No one is having these conversations publicly really right now. Do you think there's any chance that micro exposure to this coronavirus can give you, um, you know, I, I've speculated that maybe our bodies have some kind of uh, preparation that so they're not your immunity isn't there. If you measured it, you would see none, but it's somehow prepared because it got a, got a little sniff of it. Didn't didn't catch on. Yes. But it got a little sniff. Yes. Could well, that be a the thing? immunologist I was talking to, the immunologist I was talking to was speculating that this very much, he didn't know to what extent it was a phenomenon, but he was definitely saying he'd observed that. For instance, he said he had trouble finding a control profile that had no evidence of any exposure to virus. Like literally most people have evidence. And he was looking at my profile before he got sick yesterday with me and he said, Look at this. You have these antibodies, you have these spike points, you have some NP antibodies. You work in a hospital, you must, your body had seen the virus even before you got sick. Isn't that interesting? Now, I still got sick as hell, but, but there are observations exactly like that. And back to your natural immunity hypothesis, some people may have something on that order going on. And there's definitely a, uh, a, an ethnic genetic component, right? That's confirmed, right? That that some ethnicities it's, it's, it's just true of it's true of everything it's true of everything it just mm -hmm. is and when it comes to biology i mean our biological background has everything to do with everything you know our genetic background and the fact that it clusters in certain genetic or rather in certain genetic groupings we call ethnicities or races or however we do it it's not that surprising for any illness there's there's different kinds of clusters for different kinds of things so you would say that that would not be evidence necessarily of a weaponized a designed virus because that would be the characteristic of just pretty much everything what it is but i i i have seen you come close to asking something like that on your stream so it's been something i've been thinking about even though it's the first time i've heard you <laughs> directly ask somebody this question and uh, thank you for uh, putting me in that position um i can't <laughs> figure out how it could be the case I, I can't figure out how it would be the case that that were so i, I just can't figure it out it just doesn't make sense to me biologically. It just doesn't. It's, and it's not really the way this thing is behaving, really. I think it's more what you're thinking now, which is that, for instance, China's going to see its pandemic soon enough and something's going to happen. Yeah, well, I think we'll know in a month, right? <laughs> in a month, we'll know everything yep, we need to that's know exactly about right. China. It's exactly right. In the meantime, it's kind of something interesting happening. I'm going to let you go in just a couple of minutes, but it seems to me this version of the pandemic, this ver this recent spike, people have been much more um, in reality with it, let's say. There's been much less distortion, much less hysteria, much, much less blind trusting of what the press is doing. I feel like the, the American people have learned something through this pandemic, and it's mostly of the order of uh, don't panic and don't believe what the news is trying to do. They just want your eyes. Do you think that's <laughs> happened? I think so, but I've also speculated that, unfortunately, the government is a great organization for lots of things like uh, protecting the country and fighting wars and stuff like that. But I'm not sure the government is the right entity to make the decisions like this. Specifically, let's mm -hmm. just take the mask stuff. 
I, I just think that they need to step out because the, the government really has to manage toward as close as they can get to zero deaths. Because that's what we measure. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what will come up mm-hmm. if they run for re-election and everything else. But but you and I don't live our lives that way. You know, we're making a risk management every time we get in the car, every time we play a sport, get on the bicycle. So I think the decision has to go to the public on masks specifically. And uh, I've suggested that people uh, do a soft resistance. So I've started that already yesterday. So we went into two places without a mask and just waited for them to ask. Now, I'm not going to be a jerk to somebody who's you know working for a living. So I'm going to put my mask on or, or leave voluntarily. I'm not going to make a problem. But I'm going to make it that they have to ask. Because at some point, they're just going to stop. <laughs> the employees are just going to say, I, yeah. can't, I can't do my job if every third person makes me talk to them about masks. So I think the people can just take the the decision back. The government has to be a follower. On they this they have to. They have to. They have. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But uh, while we were speaking, uh, the New England Journal of Medicine pub- just got published in the last five minutes, and their lead article is very interesting. It's an article on subcutaneous, essentially Regeneron, the the monoclonal antibodies, showing that subcutaneous, just these little injections of the antibodies will prevent transmission of COVID in households where somebody has active illness. It's a big, this is a big deal. Wait, wait, wait. So this is a, wait, wait. This is, uh, what, what's the drug? Essentially, it's regener- It's it's a monoclonal antibody. Re, re, RG, Regeneron is, I think, what it is. It's generic name. It's R-G-E-N. Uh, it's, I, a, it's the same drug that, that Trump got to treat the... What's that? Yeah. I, didn't, didn't Regeneron... Uh, Oh, I'm thinking of remdesivir. Remdesivir is the one that didn't get as good a result as we hoped. And Correct. This is very different. Is the These are the, the monoclonal, the monoclonal antibodies. So it's 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 the RGEN, it's the bamlanivimab, it's the etisivimir. I took I took bamlanivimab when I was sick. It worked like a son of a bitch. It was unbelievable. It kept me out of the hospital. And now this this is a big deal. This is like now we have. A, a preventative measure, if you have exposure, prevents the illness, both symptomatic and asymptomatic. And it seems to me the next phase will be, this may be an early treatment, also subcutaneous. You can just get at your doctor's office. It's a big deal. Uh, tra- translate subcutaneous. Does that mean with a needle or no um, needle? A needle. It's a shot. It's not, it's not a deep shot like a vaccine. It's just you, you sort of pull up the skin and put it right under the skin. It's a very tiny needle. It's a small amount. Usually, wow! I, it's and, it's RGENCOV two. It's a combination of monoclonal antibody. It's it casarivimab and imdivimab. It's it's two monoclonal antibodies, but they work. And uh, and this is I this is very exciting as far as I'm concerned. This is a big deal if they can distribute this. Wow, and that's interesting. Uh, yeah, the, I guess that's the practical part, right? I did. Uh, yeah, I assume that the government. If the through... government does what, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to have to go through some kind of EUA or re- approval or something. But the other thing is, what happened? Uh, the government has bought lots of these monoclonal antibodies. They have them on a shelf still. People aren't doctors are not because doctors are so frozen and unable to do anything. They're not infusing it the way they should. But it's free. This stuff is free. The government's already bought it, and so. You know, I, I don't know if they bought this particular product, but it wouldn't be surprised if they go into the market and buy this one now. Wow. 
Yeah, and and yeah. does that sound like the sort of thing that could be ramped up based on what you know about the the who needs to give the shot, how trained you need to be, it, distribution? It, it could be. Right it, it's not. It, it would not have mass distribution, but it should. It could have big distribution. I mean, essentially, every doctor in the country, every nurse could administer it. You know, you could. I, the, the issue would be how do we get it and distribute it, and are you know does it need what kind of temperatures does it need to be maintained? That kind of thing. So it's it's kind of a big deal. We'll see more to be revealed, but uh, it's uh, there's just a little piece of good news here. So there you go. Oh, and it's, I assume it's temporary. Well, Scott, uh, what do you mean the 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 anti monoclonal antibody? The, oh, yeah, the temporary. The yeah, it's not like a vaccine. Yeah, it's not like a vaccine. It's it's re it's it's really for if you had a, an acute exposure to prevent yourself from getting sick. That's it. But it's an interesting idea. Maybe they'd give it repeatedly to doctors and nurses that work in the ICU. I I, I don't know. I can tell you. Literally, when I, I was sick as shit when I was taking it, and a nurse showed up at my house, and he set it up, and he infused me, and I said to him, I go, you know, I'm just going to tell you what's happening now because it's interesting. While you're infusing this drug, the colors are getting brighter, and I'm feeling stronger. And he said, he said I hear that all day. I hear that all day long. And, and, and then I just stopped getting sick after that. I, I stabilized, and that was it. And then I ended up with long hauler, but, but, I, but I didn't go to the hospital. So it was really something. Well, Scott, I'm going to let you go. I promised an hour. I've already taken a little more of your time than I should have. I'm going to stay with the clubhouse, and I'm going to talk to those folks in a second. We are staying on all our platforms, but I'm going to let you go. Please say hi to Christina for us, and let's have dinner whenever we're up there or you're down here or we're all in Greece again together or wherever. Will do. Looking forward to it, and uh, thanks for having me on. All right. You got it, Scott Adams. That's Scott Adams says, and you can find him at The Real Scott Adams. Coffee with Real Scott Adams. And um, I found Scott um, on podcast because I was interested in, in what I did. I don't remember why I ran across him at first, but it was the persuasion topic that uh, that he was telling me about that I, that I that he was talking about on a podcast. And so I started looking for him on all the other podcasts he'd been on. He was really just talking about persuasion at that point. And, and then I was on uh, Greg Gutfeld's show and he said, uh, hey, do you watch his stream every day? And I go, stream every day? It was Periscope back then. I said, well, what is that? And I said, he goes, you know, check it out. It's pretty interesting. And so that's when I started watching that. Um, we're going to take a little break. I'm watching you all on the restream. I'm watching you guys over at Rumble. I see you. And uh, I will take a couple calls from uh, Clubhouse when we get back. Anyone who's watched me over the years knows that I'm obsessed with Hydrolyte. In my opinion, the best oral rehydration product on the market. I literally use it every day. My family uses it. When I had COVID, I'm telling you, Hydrolyte contributed to my recovery, kept me hydrated. Now, with things finally reopening back around the country, the potential exposure to the common cold is always around. And like always, Hydrolyte has got your back. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity, my new favorite, starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients Plus, each single-serving easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy-to-pour sticks that rapidly dissolve in water, make a great-tasting drink, has 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink. It uses all-natural flavors, gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy. Or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolyte.com slash drdrew. Again, that is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash D-R-D-R-E-W. Be sure to use the code drdrew25 for a special discount. Here with my daughter, Paulina, to share an exciting new project. Over the years, we've talked to a ton of young people about what they really want to know about relationships. 
it's difficult to know who you are and what you want, especially mm. as a teenager. And not everyone has access to an expert in their house like I did. Of course, it wasn't like I was always that receptive to that advice. Right, no kidding. But now we have written the book on consent. It is called It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward, and it explores relationships, romantic relationships, and sex. It's a great guide for teens, parents, and educators to go beyond the talk and have honest and meaningful conversations. It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward will be on sale September 21st. You can order your book anywhere books are sold. Mm -hmm. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, and of course, your independent local bookstore. Links are available on drdrew.com. So pre-ordering the book will help people, well, raise awareness, obviously, and it'll get that conversation going early so more people can can notice this and spread the word of positivity about healthy relationships. So if you can, we would love your support by pre-ordering now. Totally. And as we said before, this is a book that both teenagers and their parents should read. Read the book, have the conversation. It doesn't have to be awkward. On sale September 21st. This is our book. This is, uh, it doesn't have to be awkward. Please support us. Uh, I think if you have sort of teenage age kids, you will, they will like this book and appreciate it. Uh, we found consent to be a very confusing territory for young people. And that's what motivated us to write the book. And so we try to be very inclusive in what we get into there. And having a 20 something year old help me with this was a uh, very, very important in my humble opinion. So I think you, if you're a mom of, of uh, teens or even young adults, I think you might like that. Um, so uh, before we go to calls, uh, Caleb, I wonder if you would throw up that uh, Attitude score that I, I gave you. It's going to be probably a full screen, I bet, um, where I'm going to try to show you my antibody profile, my B cell density. And you can kind of see how things have changed over time. And you can see how I responded to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. There it is. So um, let's see here. So the memory B cell detection by flow cytometry is up there on, on what we're seeing right in the middle of the screen right now. And you can see as you go, uh, let's look at the RBD. And you can see how I've got lots and lots of protein compared to the control where there's, say, 26. I have thousands. <laughs> and the nuclear peptide, the same nuclear protein, the same thing. I have hundreds and hundreds when a non-exposed person has dozens. So move over across. That's all about my B cell function and the, the percentage of B cell activity. As you get out there... You're actually seeing my antibody function. And as you see, uh, on the far right, the RBD and S1 neutralizing antibody. When I was sick, I had 96, and now I'm at 67 and 70, which is still a very high number. Again, before I was sick, uh, it's 27 and 15. And you see somebody who's never been exposed, it's usually one or zero. But uh, you can have a little bit of neutralizing antibody flying around. Now I have literally orders of magnitude more than before. Same thing is true if you look at the, let's just look at the IgG, for instance, uh, and IgM of the S1, that's the spike protein, the RBD. See how many thousands and thousands, you know, tens of thousands of uh, uh, measurable antibody I have relative to what should be in the, barely in the hundreds. So that's a very, so that's showing both very high humoral response, high levels of neutralizing antibodies. We know that humoral response is effective and high levels of B cell availability to jump on this if I'm ever re-exposed to it. Now, I was given the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Let me see if we can figure that out. I think it's where I go, hmm, I think where it's where I go from 
and 81 to 81 at 85% of neutralizing antibodies. So I bump up just a little bit. Let's see if we can figure out where that was. That didn't do much. It didn't do a lot because I was already so high. I was already so high. Go back to the humeral because the humeral is the one where you really see it. You wouldn't see the B cell response until quite a bit later. You see, I go, for, it's hard for me to see at this distance, but I go, it jumps up from 51,000. Let's say the, the spike protein IgG spikes from 51,000 to 71,000. And then it kind of drops back down to 65,000. So you can see that I do respond to the 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 uh, vaccine. It's not as though the vaccine isn't doing anything. It does something. And Dr. Knock sent me a study a couple of days ago that showed that people with COVID, with particular persistent humoral immunity, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine do extraordinarily well against variants. So it made me feel pretty good. Like I, I can move about the cabin well, a little bit. That was bit. worth the black eye. Yeah, so what Susan's talking about is I woke up with a black eye on day two and sick from the J&J &J vaccine. And, and the, our son just had the vaccine and he's been sick for three days. He's been sick for five days. Mm -hmm. And the reason that um, the black eye was concerning was that's the presenting feature of a transverse sinus thrombosis, which is the clot that's so dreaded and complicates the J&J &J vaccine. So I thought, oh, here Might we go. Might have also caught a little cold. We were in here Nashville. Here we go. Nobody had masks on. Susan, but think about it this way. You know how many colds there are in the United States trying to make people get cold? How many people you see walking around with black eyes? One black eye. No, That's I, was, a very, I was talking about Jordan getting a cold. Uh, no, trip. no. I just listened to those long. This isn't normal. This no, is not right. Um, so let me get to a couple questions on. Uh, it's I mean, all. It he's actually, having, the vaccine gives you a, yes, a runny nose and it, a cough. It, it can give you. It can give you heart problems. It can give you kidney. It's, it gets into things. And he has you have to take to be it careful. for school too. Right. He was coerced into it. And he is really sick. And he's, you know, and, and he's having brain fog and all the stuff that the spike protein does. And the spike protein's going all over the place and he's having a reaction. Yeah. Did you so, hear, did you see Leopold's new word for ivermectin? No. Yes, I did. Do you, did you? I wrote it on the whiteboard. I, I see it. Can you, I, have you tried pronouncing that word? Kankerschmeckel? Correct. That's what that <laughs> word is. So he, he wants to, to start saying canker schmackle instead of ivermectin, <laughs> whatever ivermectin becomes a word. If I, um, I think I know that what that means in Yiddish. Uh, let's see. So Marv Defvisar says, what are reliable sources that I use to evaluate COVID-19 CDC stats? Um, I use many different publications, uh, Marv Defvisar. <laughs> Um, CDC for data, yeah, uh, Johns Hopkins for data, but I just like I just reported on the New England Journal article, I watch the medical literature very, 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 very carefully, and I read a lot. Um, and so when stuff comes up, uh, and people send me stuff too, like I said, just Dr. Knox sent me this thing on J&J &J and recovering from uh, COVID. So it's not uh, one source. There is a there is a thing that there's, as a physician, I get these medical reviews of of uh, the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association publications in all their different incarnations. They have, they have, they have pediatrics and psychiatry and infectious disease and all these different AMA, JMA, JAMA journals. I get reviews of those. I get other sort of highlights from other journals. So I get, I get lots of stuff that pours down on me that I pour through at least three times a day. Um, so lots of stuff come at me. Uh, if there are treatments that lessen the effects of COVID-19, then how can the FDA fully legally fully approve the EUV? Yeah, um, I don't know. Again, you're asking about the legal stuff, which is the big conundrum in uh, the FDA functioning. I don't know how they do that. You, in order for a UUA, there has to be no other beneficial uh, treatments available in that space. I'm going to bet they start to look at it as just vaccine therapies, uh, something like that. That if there are no other categorical vaccine therapies that are safer or better, you're going to get approved. 
it, look, the, things are the, 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 and it should be the, the case, and it is the case, that these are emergency measures in unusual times. It's not the usual functioning of the FDA, I would say. All right, let me take a couple calls here and see what you guys are up to. This is uh, G Slice. Let's see if I can get him up or her up to the uh, podium here. Um, Chef Eva B. She says, maybe from now on approval from pharmaceuticals will go through quicker. God, your mouth to God's ears. If that, if that is one of the side effects of the, of the pandemic, it will have been a great uh, benefit to humanity. Uh, G Slice does not seem to be coming. So I, and I don't, see, I don't know how to undo once I invite somebody. So let's get uh, Chad up here. Chad? There, how are you today? Good. How are you, buddy? Good. I haven't talked to you in a while. I'm glad that you guys are healthy. I'm good. Thank you. Appreciate I, it. I, I just have a quick question about um, my, my 15 year old stepdaughter um, took uh, is right in the process of Gardasil mm -hmm. and she also wants to get the COVID vaccine mm -hmm. before school. Mm -hmm. um, her mom's, we're not really confident on to give two vaccines like that at the same time. We've talked to a couple people and they said they shouldn't really they interact. Shouldn't. They're very different. Yeah, they shouldn't. And plus, you can take the, you can, you know, the, there's three parts to the, the uh, Gardasil, right? So there's one, one month right. and six months. And definitely, I mean, if you wait a few weeks after that second vaccine, you're fine to take the COVID. It's not, it's not going to affect the COVID one way or another at that point. Okay. And then yeah. the, the only, the other thing I wanted to ask you is how long have you read anything before they're going to start giving this vaccine to uh, younger than you know, 15 or whatever. I have a nine-year-old son with asthma. Are they, are they going to give it to young ones? They, yeah, are, they plan to. I can see that's coming. I saw New York had um, a had an alert on my phone that said they're giving them out 12 to 17. Yeah, 12 in some states. I, I'm not, I, I'm very mixed on it, guys. I am not 100%, but, okay. but, but it, you know, to follow your pediatrician's recommendations. It, it, it's, it, as you get younger, it becomes a very complicated decision. It really is a very different kind of decision than for, for a 60-year-old plus, it is really easy. It is really easy. Take the damn yeah. vaccine. Take it, take it, take it. Don't even think about it. For adolescents, it's a little more complicated, but if that's an adolescent that is interested in doing what's right for the world, which is reducing the replication and really wants to take a little risk, fine. For a seven-year-old, now it gets. I, now I have to defer to a pediatrician. I, I can't make that decision. Does that make sense? All right. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. And right. thank you very much. Right. I appreciate it. You bet. All right. You see you. I like and that guy's voice. I know. Uh, Leopold is in the house. He wants to talk about uh, Schenkel Schmeckel, whatever it was. Uh, Leopold, I, I, there you are. Hi, buddy. What's going on? Hey. Canker schmeckle. Come on. You know, we, you can have fun with the AI. You know, why not play uh, a game with YouTube? You know, they have these uh, algorithms yep. checking you out. Yep. Yiddish words. And yeah, use Yiddish words and kind of mix and match. I, I actually was, do, we, we did that for a while, tell you the truth. Uh, and and it's, it's funny. We started saying the I word and this and that. And, yeah. and eventually. Hey, Leo, turn your damn television down. Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> no. Well, she's, she's watching. Uh, uh, people's court on the oh, good. excellent. Sorry, excellent. Yeah, it's, it's not going in the sunroom here. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I could go in the hot tub. <laughs> so, no, but yeah, have some fun with it. Have some fun. Uh, all right, with we, the, uh... we maybe, maybe, maybe. I just I worry about people jumping in and going, "What? What are they talking about?" But, yeah. I like it. 
Well, Susan the idea is the producer likes show, it. Well, the idea is to show how ridiculous yes, this whole censorship is. Of course. So, and the lengths that that they're going to go. So, why not do, you know, fight this thing? You know, yeah. fight it, but fight it with humor. I agree. You know, t- you know, team up with Adam and get some some creative ways to kind of screw with YouTube. You know. <laughs> well, I, I, you sound like you're feeling much much better. You still have your long hauler stuff. Are you all good? Oh my God! Unbelievable. Yeah like joint pain and everything else. In fact, did you see that latest article? It gave 97 symptoms for long haulers. Mm-hmm. And I, I checked off 75 of them uh, this morning. Yeah. Oh, weighs me, right? Yeah. Have you, have <laughs> but, you hooked up with uh, Dr. Yo to see if I can get some treatment? You know, um, here's the thing, Dr. Drew, you know, I'm with uh, Kaiser, Kaiser yeah. and they, they are so, God, there's, they are the definition of an organization that, well, you know, a bureaucracy, right? I, and, you know, I work for a bureaucracy, so I know it when I see it. Yeah, yeah. And, and they refuse to do anything that is, you know, uh, leading edge or yeah. cutting science or yeah. anything, yeah. you know. And, you know, th- you know, you were talking about earlier, you know, the treatments that you had. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, I asked for, um, you know, anti-clonal antibodies back in December. And they said, absolutely no way. And ivermectin, no way, you know, they they wouldn't do it. And I remember um, remember that it was a very desperate mm -hmm. kind of thing. Oh, I was, I was, yeah. And and in fact, I tried to bypass it. Jeanette actually went to Mexico to Mm get uh, uh, treatment of drugs for her and it cured her stuff within days. Oh my and I was in the hospital for three weeks. So, yeah, it was. All right, my friend. Well, good to yeah. hear your voice. Good to see you're sounding better anyway. I know you're well, not all the well, way there. but Well, I'm just, I, I love the idea of you effing with YouTube. You all know, right. Like, well, I'm going to, we'll see how, we, we'll see. It's, it's, it's a, it's a dangerous game, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, I buddy. Know. Talk soon. Um, and I have one more. I think I'm going to try to throw up here before we get going. Uh, Keith, uh, uh, Keith seems to, hi, Keith, what's going on? Drew, you live. You live, buddy. What's happening? So you may recall I got Pfizered in January to February. No mm-hmm. problems with it. Um, I actually work in healthcare and IT, and for the second, uh, I work for the second largest healthcare provider in California. And today, we announced all employees must get vaccinated or have religious or medical exemptions. Yeah. And uh, the largest in California did the same thing a few days ago. So it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Well, like I said, my son got mandated, and I don't see how he could possibly take the second vaccine. He's been really sick from the first and so he's gonna have to get a medical sort of excuse plus he's already had covid so he's it's an unnecessary mm-hmm. medical procedure to begin with but whatever so um, i'm really interested in your take on the so-called outbreak in provincetown or p-town as it's called hmm. um uh, in massachusetts yeah I know and P-town. especially the media is reporting on it specifically huh. the relationship between viral count in nostrils directly translating to contagiousness So uh, there's a great CNN article from Monday on CNN, believe it or not. Okay. White House frustrated with hyperbolic and irresponsible Delta variant coverage. Yes, I saw that. That was really, that was a really good, that was a good article, actually. Quick quote. A member of the White House's rapid response team responded bluntly. This is on, on Twitter. They typed this in all caps. Vaccinated people do not transmit the virus at the same rate as unvaccinated people. Right. And if you fail to include that context, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. 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 Listen, I, I good for them. I, I, I'm all for the truth. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I don't care who's who's uh, providing the truth. If it's the truth, I applaud them. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think uh, the panic porn, it just shows the panic porn. And I hope people look at it and learn. There's an opportunity to learn here that, that how your press works. They want your eyes. That's all they want. And mm-hmm. uh, in doing so, they, you know, they're... They're go- going to any lengths, and the truth bears no matter to them. Ugh. And or they just don't know how to do math. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know how nominators, well, and d- denominators, and numerators you're, work. You're, you're right, uh, Keith. But why does it always go a certain direction? If they didn't right. just didn't know how to do math, they would just be errors all over the place. It always goes towards the panic. <laughs> yeah, always goes in a certain direction. No problem. No nothing That's to right. see here. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, so. it's great. Great. All right, point, my friend. Dr. Drew. Well done. All Thank right, buddy. you. Thank you. Uh, okay, Susan, is there anything more before I kind of uh, wrap this thing up? No, I, I'm just texting Scott. Thank you very much. Oh, good. And did talking you, about how Rumble was, we had almost 2,000 people over that one point. Did you learn appreciate uh, that? And, did you learn about cognitive dissonance and uh, all those cognitive distortions that we yeah, as humans yeah. have? I mean, I love Scott. He's, he's so thoughtful. He showed us at dinner, uh, one of the dinners we had with him, how he does some of his hypnotic yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I was, I had to be careful not to get hypnotized Susan while we're having dinner. almost went under. I was like, Just, I was like trying to like <laughs> bat my eyes and stay awake. He's so, his voice is so soothing oh. and I was listening and I'm going, he's going to hypnotize me because I, and I was a little tired anyways, I had a couple drinks, so, but he's, he's so nice. I love Christina Yeah, and I'm glad we were on the same plane. I don't think I would have gotten him back as a guest if that hadn't happened. Oh, that's probably too. I mean, but, I, well, but do you I, think it's weird that we were not only going yeah, to the same island, the same day, year. same place? We actually booked him one year ago, and um, remember when Gutfeld came on and everything, and yeah. then, and then I tried him a few times during the election because he was really going off on the politics with Trump, and his his numbers were just like tripling because mm. he was he was right in there and he was getting a lot of calls, and he's like, I can't do it right now, and I was like, oh, and then I I feel bad like calling people you know we'd be on the show if they if they said no but um but i think i think now at getting to see him there was a big help because uh, we became friends yes and i would like to urge everyone that's watched this stream to check just read just even read i'm and i'm signing off on you reading it on google you can read just the basics so you can have a good dunning kruger when you're done but i read about cognitive distortions confirmation bias, reasoning from conclusion, cognitive dissonance. These things are operating at a massive scale in this country right now. And if you don't know what they are, you your brain is set up with some glitches in it, so you will manifest them too. And you'll, you'll do it no matter what, even if you're vigilant. But if you're vigilant, at least you can be aware of it and sort of correct course and maybe look at the distortions and sort of back back away from them rather than responding to them and deepening them. So there's things you can do. Read about cognitive distortions. There are many. Mm. I did a podcast with Dr. Uh oh. Uh, I'm forgetting his name, but I did three different podcasts with Getting a, a co- distortion. With a cognitive psychologist where we go over all the common distortions. Um, and his name is Gleb Sibersky. I did three with Gleb. <laughs> no you understand why I can't remember his name? <laughs> Maybe that should be a word for hydroxychloroquine. And Gleb Sibersky with a T-S, Sibersky. And uh, he's a very smart dude, and he is a cognitive psychologist. He's a researcher in cognitive distortion. So Scott Adams may um, start posting his shows on Rumble. He's very impressed by oh, the, good. the new platform. Excellent. And it'd be perfect for him. He, could he just, said he'd just, have to pre-record and upload. But would he or just add it? You know, because he, he, We'll uh, have to let Rumble know, and maybe they'll give him a... 
give them a, a deal. That, that's interesting. I know. Kind of cool, huh? Opening uh, up the world. Okay. So Jax wants to say 50% of positive cases are vaccinated. Uh, 51% hospitalized. In, in populations where there's large numbers of people vaccinated and COVID starts breaking through, you're only going to see vaccinated people sick and in the hospital because everybody's vaccinated. And if it breaks through, it breaks through. It's not 100%. Again, and the Delta makes it really not 100%, maybe 60 to 80%, depending on what, you know, how good your response was. So relax, everybody. It's not because the vaccines don't work. It's the, because the vaccines work, we're not seeing massive upticks in hospitalizations and death because the vaccines work in what they're supposed to do, which is prevent death and hospitalization. Not prevent disease, prevent death and hospitalization. Now, Again, the variant has eroded some of that effectiveness, but generally it's still quite effective. And our public health issue, officials should be emphasizing this. Like Keith just said, rather than talking about viral loads in a, in a population, they should be talking about how many people were in the hospital versus how many people were sick and how much better that is. Plus, maybe the people that are getting it got the vaccine because they're like 90 years old in December or January, and now it's starting to wear off. Stop. Stop the panic. Stop yeah. the panic. I wonder I've said how old the those people are. Shut up. If you if somebody's in, is in, inducing the panic, just tell them to shut up. That, that's not helpful. It's hurting. And then we get mental health consequences yeah. on top of all the uh, the infectious disease issues. All right. So um, I'm going to, there's still people with their hands up in, uh, in uh, Clubhouse, but I'm afraid, guys, we're going to have to wrap this up. So I'm going to end the Clubhouse room. Sorry, guys. Thank Thanks. you for joining us. And also, us. you can find everything at drdrew.tv if you want to see the show. And we have it in podcast form. If you want to share it, uh, just go to iTunes or go to drdrew.com and find the link. There you go. We'll see. If you want to share this with a friend, that would be great. Thank you, guys. And uh, those of you on the restream, I hope this was interesting. We have a show tomorrow where I think we will go back to taking calls. Um, or is it going to be Friday? Oh, tomorrow. Um, we During the feed, I saw that somebody said free Kelly Victory. I guess she's in Twitter jail and whatever, but she's freaked out. And I said, I asked her to come on the, the, the uh, clubhouse, but she couldn't today, but she might pop in around. 3.30 tomorrow. So we'll start the show. We'll do some clubhouse questions and then we'll take it off of uh, YouTube and wherever else and just have it on Twitch and talk to Dr. Kelly. Victory. So so let me get this straight. So tomorrow... I have to find out where she was censored because I right. know they're, they have... She has a, she's part of the suit against big tech. So, right, right. So like they've, they're trying... They're, they're censoring her for talking about it. And I assumed... That's why we're not involved. So, so I'm guessing we will start on all the usual platforms. But we'll probably end up just on Rumble with her or something or like Twitch. that. No, we're not Rumble. I, I can't connect to run maybe Twitch and we'll do Twitter or something. But I'm just going to have her talk. I'm not going to put up her face and her name and everything all over the internet. So maybe they'll just let she Well, maybe we stay, stay at Twitch. We, we shouldn't be. If she's in Twitter jail, I do not want to go to Twitter jail too. Okay. Just saying. I'm I'll sick, find I'm out. sick I, of this shit. I'm I need really more detail. I don't know any... I have to talk to her, but I, it, but she, her, she goes, um, let me tell you what she said. I love her. She's just like, so cool. She said, people should be terrified. They're not getting access to the real information. It's being suppressed in ways I would have never believed could happen. I think that's true. And, that's you know, really and she's taking the, she's taking the, the heat. Well, she's in a 
suit with Trump. So, you know, first strike against, you know, you're going to have to take that. But um, but it, there's a group of people who are all getting the same treatment, including us. And it they're pissed. And it's actually a good suit. It actually may win. So so the, you know, the Internet's going to make it hard for them. I mean, I guess I mean, her show was the one that got us in tr- in in YouTube trouble. So. Right. You know, so, I mean, we were talking about it there. If you want to find it, you can see on Facebook and Twitter and I don't know. It's out there. Okay. So we will wrap it up. Uh, I'm just looking at the Rumble stuff again. There was not a lot of uh, chatting on Rumble, which is interesting. A few questions. A few. Maybe they're just listening. Yeah. It's not our usual. I don't know. Maybe they weren't even there. I mean, just, I thought there were 2,000 people. But I, the chat thing we've sort of built over time with our, with our buddies at, on the other channels it's just our regulars so the new people probably they're they're not a lot of trolls they're mar devessers are mm-hmm. is very chatty so thank you for um joining us and nice to meet you and um we had one person say how do i get out of this i don't want to watch this and <laughs> so we had one person that didn't want to watch but it's okay we're we're very happy and it's good it, it's a good feeling to see that we're we're getting an audience for what you do. So, all right, fair enough. And, uh, we'll and thank you, Caleb. You did a fabulous job today. We had no technical problems. So that's amazing. Yay, Caleb, and tomorrow. You. Yay. <laughs> the baby's good. Yeah. Oh, I have a quick question if I can ask. Uh, so okay. I had, I don't know if, if you'll know this part or not, but it's, I had read that newborn babies resemble their dads more than their mom. So that like the dads are predisposed to bond with the new babies because of those genetic similarities. So do you know, is there mm-hmm. truth to that? Or am I just like obsessed with this kid's cute little faces? That's his face there. Well, <laughs> well both. <laughs> There's both. Uh, and uh, it's not as though that's a, a, a an axiom of nature that it necessarily is the case. However, with primates, particularly infanticide is a big problem in the animal kingdom. And so, and it's the males that do this. And so... Uh. And sometimes it's so they can identify their kids and not the others. You know what I mean? And so right. the others they take out on. It's just very, it's a huge, nature's a huge mess when it comes to infants. You don't even want to think about it. Um, but uh, it probably has something to do with able to identify others' gen- genetics that you don't want to push through and you want your genes to push through. I'm That's just kind obsessed. of the way primates work. Like I've turned into you that are person also just obsessed. You, right. You see that person that posts all their baby photos on Facebook and it's like, I always made fun of them. And now I have to restrain myself. I can't post so many photos every day and every night because I'm it obsessed. Is your father, uh, your father photo gene, your father photo gene <laughs> is firing off. That's for sure. <laughs> Susan, you have something to say? Yeah. Michelle goes, I, Michelle, I said, um, don't, you know, if Caleb doesn't get back to you, then it just means he's with the baby he goes, sure has enough time to do those Instagram posts. <laughs> <laughs> so Michelle's following you. <laughs> it's accurate. It's accurate. He's adorable. Hello, Michelle. Oh my God! Look at him. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen this? You didn't see it? Oh, I just saw it. I was looking at the. I'm looking at the Rumble. A lot of people saying thank you on Rumble. Thanks, you guys. I won't talk too much. Somebody right, said good. I was annoying. You're not annoying. We will wrap this up and uh, tomorrow at three. Kelly Victory at three thirty. And uh, thank you for all joining us. We'll see you then. Ask Doctor Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. This is just a reminder that the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care or medical evaluation. This is purely for educational and entertainment purposes. 
I'm a licensed physician with over 35 years of experience, but this is not a replacement for your personal physician, nor is it medical care. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 anytime, 24-7, for free support and guidance. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 